Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. I want to give us a couple of disclaimers up front, and then I'm going to pray. So number one, we are not saved through serving, okay? So it's not like a works-based model of salvation. And, I, and again, this is Bible class. You might already know that. But I want to make sure I say all of that up front. It's serving is really, so the Bible talks about in Philippians, show, showing the results of your salvation, right? Working your salvation out. Basically, once you have been saved, now living like you're saved. And that's what we believe here. And, and I say that because I have worked with some people and I have discipled some people who have served in church for a year, maybe more. And then when we had a really deep heart to heart, what we figured out why they were struggling in life was they really hadn't decided to follow Jesus. And so we have to be careful. It's okay to serve before you start following Jesus, but you need to get to a place where you make a decision to follow Jesus, right? So we're not saved by serving. And we never outgrow serving. So that's our second disclaimer. We never outgrow serving. Well, I've been following God for 20 years, and I've greeted, and I've taught Sunday school, and, I, and now it's time to take a seat and let those babies in the faith serve me. It doesn't work like that. We never outgrow serving. And along with that, we never age out of serving. Well, I'm too old for this, and I'm too old for that, so I'll just take a seat and let those young whippersnappers, right? It doesn't work like that. As long as we're breathing, there's something that we can do to serve God and others, right? So we never age out of serving, we never outgrow serving, and we're not saved through serving. Got that out of the way, now let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this day, God. We thank you for the fact that you got us here tonight, Lord. We, we ask that you would help us to stay focused. God, that you would give us the energy that we need for this next hour or so. And that, God, you would teach us. Your word says that we would be taught by God. And that's what I pray tonight, God, that we would be taught by you, all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start with some important words for Jesus, from Jesus, and these are your first blanks. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Those are really important words. <laughs> Those words carry a lot of weight. Let's read Colossians 1, 15, 20, because I want us to get a glimpse at the gravity of this statement, because sometimes we can hear these verses and be like, amen, but we need to stop and look and get a glimpse at the gravity of these words. Colossians 1, 15, 20. This is Paul writing about Jesus. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything. Say everything. In the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and the authorities in the unseen world. Everything, say everything, was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Wow. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. Wow. And through him, 
God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Wow. If anyone could have come to be served, it was Jesus. He's the visible image of the invisible God, which means if we want to know what God the Father looks like, thinks like, acts like, walks like, talk, we just look at Jesus. He's supreme over all creation. He's preeminent. Why? Because everything in heaven, what we can't see, and everything on earth, what we can see, was created through him and for him. Wow. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He is the head of the church, his body, which means Christ is first in everything. Every room that Jesus walked into when he was on the earth, he was the most. Isn't that what you young people say? Any young people? He was the most. He was the most powerful. He was the most important, the most intelligent, the most wise. All of creation is supposed to be serving him. It's supposed to be. It's our right. <laughs> it's our duty. And yet, he lays all of that aside. And he chooses to serve his creation instead. Who is this Jesus that we worship? He's so different. He blows our minds. And I could stop right here and say, if you want to know why every Christ follower should be serving, it's enough to know <laughs> that our king, who is the head of the church and of all creation, chose the life of a servant. He chose to give his very life away. And so it's just our basic, reasonable act of worship to do the same. Serving should be good enough for me because it was good enough for Jesus, right? But we know that that's not always our natural response, so that's why we're going to have a whole nother hour of teaching. Are you ready? <laughs> and my hope is that by the end of this teaching session, we will have come to some sort of agreement. And that agreement is this. Serving is not just a good idea or something we do when we have the time. It should be something that is woven into the very fabric of our everyday lives, especially if we want to have an abundant life. So we're going to begin by looking at what serving looked like in the early church. Then we're going to answer some questions, and then I'm going to give you some practical ways to take some next steps. So two types of serving in the church, Acts 2 in the early church, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now that's supernatural right there. <laughs> they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, think about that, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I love this. Here's our first type of serving that we see in the early church. Number one, it's organic. Organic. The apostles were performing acts of service through teaching and leading. They were doing what God had gifted them to do, and as they did it, people were blessed. That's what serving looks like. It's us using what we've been given to bless the world around us. That is also a picture of the abundant life. 
the people were performing acts of service through giving and showing hospitality. Giving and showing hospitality. It says they were selling their properties. Think about that. I don't have any property, so I can't speak to that, right? But I do have friends who have properties, and they tell me things like, well, I'm saving it for a rainy day. And I'm not judging them. It's just interesting because this is what's been messing with me. I'm waiting for the right offer. I'm waiting for a quarter of a million or what? And I'm like, wow, praise God. <laughs> but these early believers didn't have that mindset. It's just interesting. It's something for us to take note of. They weren't worrying about repayment or payment. It was just from the overflow of their hearts. They began to freely give to one another. It was organic. Because of what Christ has done for them, they naturally began to do it for others. It says they were showing hospitality. They're opening their homes. They're cooking meals. They're preparing a table. They're preparing, excuse me, Preparing a place for worship and laughter and friendship, it was natural. It was organic. Before there was planning center, come on, somebody, or sign-up sheets or spiritual gifts test, everyone was playing their part in serving one another. Think about that. And the results of these organic acts of service and their deep love for one another was that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It was organic. It was natural. It was just flowing and going and moving. But God used it to do something supernatural. That's also a picture of the abundant life. You using the things that you just have and letting God do something that only he can do. The church, this is one another disclaimer for all of us, and we got to get this. The church is not a restaurant where some work and others consume. And not just speaking of the body, I mean, the, the gathering here or the walls. I'm talking about the body of Christ, right? Where some are hostesses and waiters and waitresses and busboys, and others are diners who, who pay and get to leave. <laughs> That's not the church. And we have to get this because that's what we've been taught from like here to be consumers, right? To have people wait on us and do for us. But that's not the way God has set this thing up. The church is a living, breathing, symbiotic organism where all work for the benefit of others. It's a living, breathing, symbiotic organism where all work for the benefit of others. I love this definition of symbiotic. Characterized by or being a close, cooperative, or interdependent relationship. We serve one another because we are dependent on one another. That's how it's supposed to be. So just like the early church, serving should be organic. It should be natural. It should be second nature for everyone in this room who calls themselves a Christ follower. But number two, we see that serving in the early church was organized. And I love this, if you know me. (laughs) It was organized. Acts 6, 1 through 6 says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, can you imagine that meeting, first of all, all the believers? They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Amen. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected, and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. And there's a list of all the names there. And then it says the seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them 
as they lay their hands on them. One thing, just a side note, I love how seriously they took this. So the people who were serving in community care, they just weren't anybody. <laughs> they were laying their hands on them and praying for them. So we see here there was a daily food distribution to the Christian widows. And it needed more attention because the organic thing they had been doing <laughs> was now growing out of proportion. They couldn't keep going the way they were going if they wanted to keep growing. They couldn't keep going the way they were going if they wanted to keep growing. So they had to put more organization into it and around it. They had to give away some responsibility. They had to put some structure into place. Organized. I love this definition. Arranged in a systematic way, especially on a large scale. Arranged in a systematic way. There needs to be systems. There needs to be structures. There needs to be schedules, especially on a large scale. Just like the early church, our serving should also be organized. Enter back to school 2022. <laughs> if you're going to give away 3,550 uniforms, I'm just going to tell you you need some organization. You can't do that organically. And Patty's, she's preaching here from this, because, I mean, we're literally 7,100 pieces of clothing. We are handling that. We are basically a factory. I was looking at it today. I was like, how do we even do this? We're, this is amazing. 7,100 pieces of clothing, counting it, being accountable for it, all the things, the budgets, the schedules, the deliveries. You gotta have some organization. You're not throwing that thing together organically. I'm just telling you right now. Community care. We do the meals for hundreds of students a week. If you wanna do it for one, fine. Go to Kroger, grab a few things and take it to them. But if you wanna do it for hundreds, you better get some organization. Sunday mornings. This is why we have teams. Why do we have teams? This is why we have teams. Because we're trying to do something on a larger scale. If you want to have some people over to your house for your small group, that's fine. Let it be natural and flowy or whatever. Turn on your incense. I don't know. But if you want a church that's growing and going somewhere, you better get organized. You better get some teams and systems in place. The larger the reach, the more organization is needed. Serving should be organic, natural, second nature, and it should also be organized, especially if we are attempting to do something on a large scale. And I think Jesus left us here to do something on a large scale. Do you agree with me? Come on. So who should be serving? In the body of Christ, come on, Miss Patty, everyone should be serving. Everyone. Galatians 5.13 says this. For you, my brothers, were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness, selfishness. But through love, serve and seek the best for one another. I love that. All of us are called to serve and seek the best, not for ourselves. God will take care of us. We are supposed to be seeking and serving one another in some shape, form, or fashion. Everyone should be serving. And I love this because here's the truth, and we see it in this verse. We have the freedom to serve or to be served. We have all kinds of freedom to do whatever we want. But we can't use that freedom for selfishness. I love that. Instead, we're supposed to use our freedom to serve one another. So whom do we serve? Whom do we serve? Galatians 6, 9 through 10 And let us not grow weary of doing good, 
For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The Amplified Virgin says it this way, let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. Interesting. So then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being and especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith, born again believers. First group of people we serve, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. We start at home, within the family of God, within the family of faith, with the people that we will be with forever and ever. Look around, are you ready? To be with me. No, I'm just kidding. To be with the person saying forever and ever. Too bad. You're stuck with me. Why? Because we belong to one another. Romans 12.5 says that. It says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We are members of one another. We are one in the body of Christ. We belong to one another. So we serve one another. But here's another reason I think that we start with our family of faith. Because through serving and loving on one another, we prove to the world that we belong to God. John 13, 35 says this. This is Jesus. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love and unselfish concern for one another. When we show unselfish concern for one another, I believe it's truly supernatural. I mean, I love people, but sometimes, and it might just be, it might be this big, sometimes it might be bigger. I'm thinking about how does this affect me? Right? Do I have the time? Do I have the capacity right now, mentally, emotionally, whatever? Is this good for me? It's supernatural when we take ourselves completely out of the picture and we're willing to unselfishly serve and love one another. We start with our family, and I think this is God's plan for good reason because if we can't serve our family, are we really servants? And also because, come on, it's hard to serve our family, natural and spiritual. Somebody said, amen. We expect more from our family than we do from strangers. Am I right? You should know better, right? And I think this is why God over and over in the scriptures addresses the body of believers and their love for one another. Because it's truly otherworldly for us to be together all the time and still genuinely want to love and serve one another with all your faults. Courtney, I'm so sorry you're sitting here. And with all my faults, with all of our different personalities and whatever, and somehow we're still loving and serving one another unselfishly, that's supernatural. But it's God's way. And that's the big thing here. Serving each other in the family of God. You know, when I was a new believer, I was thinking about this this week. I always think about this. You know, when you're a new believer, you're always looking around the family to see how am I supposed to act? Because you don't know how to act. You're like, oh, God, help me. Somebody show me the way. And after about two years, I started seeing something, and it really got to me. And I started reading the Bible for myself, and I was digging into the scriptures. And I'd seen this kind of thing where it's about, like, the family of God should be really tight-knit. You should really love one another. And I had been around people who loved people outside of the family of God. They loved serving the homeless and doing all these things. But they talked about their brothers and sisters in Christ. They talked about why they didn't serve in certain places because that person served and they used to be on their team. And, they, and I was, you know, you're new and you're so, I was so confused. I was like, do they know? Do they know what Jesus said? 
And that's why, and I know we talk about this, and you've heard this before, but we've got to get it. The world looks at us, and they don't take us seriously. Because you're supposed to be one, right? Same blood, same spirit, all this stuff you're always talking about. But you don't even love each other. So what do I want to do with that, right? It's God's way. And we have to give way to God's way. Who else do we serve? We serve those outside the family of God. What did Galatians 6.10 say? It said, let us do good to everyone. Let us serve everyone. Let us care for everyone. This was Jesus' way, right? We read this in the Gospels. Everywhere he went, he was just serving and meeting people's needs. There's a story, and I love this. This is about the church in the fourth century, because I feel like it, it's just a beautiful picture of how this works. And it was a time of famine and war in Philippi. And these early believers in the fourth century, it says they were staying back and leave, oh, sorry, they were staying back while others were beginning to flee. So there's war, there's famine, right? I'm going to go find a better place to stay. But these believers stayed back. And this is an excerpt from a book about this time. It says, all day long, some of them, the Christians, tended to the dying and to their burial. Think about this. Countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city, a multitude of those withered from famine and distributed bread to them all. Unselfish concern for others. They could have said, and who would have blamed them? I'm getting out of the city. <laughs> there's war. There's famine. I got to take care of my family. Right? We would have been like, you better believe. You'd get your stuff and go. But these believers stay back. And they're burying the dead. And they're feeding bread to multitudes of people. They didn't worry about their welfare. They didn't just serve the family of God as the family of God. They served those in need, and they put their lives on the line to serve them. We serve each other. We start at home with the family of God, but we don't stop there. We move out into our community and unselfishly care for those in need. So when do we serve? When do we serve? At every opportunity. We serve at every opportunity. Galatians 6.10 then. Again, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We do this organically, right? Inside our home, outside our home, at the grocery store, at the restaurant. We hold the door. We pick up the trash. We clean the table, we do the dishes, we take our neighbor a meal, we mow the yard of our elderly neighbor down the street. We're always looking, or we should always be looking, for opportunities to serve. That's how it becomes second nature. I don't wait for Sunday. I don't clock in to serve, right? I'm always looking for opportunities to serve. We do this organizationally. We are a church who does a lot of things, amen? And one of the reasons is because we want to always give you an opportunity to serve. We know it's going to change your life. We know it's going to be the thing that you're missing. So we have BTS and community care and Sunday mornings. And you can go serve at an organization downtown and do things with the rescue mission. But at every opportunity... We say, yes, I'll do that. I'll teach a kid how to read. I'll, I'll serve some soup. Do they even serve soup at soup kitchens? I don't know. I'll just do whatever. And here's where I want to throw in some myths about serving before we go to our next question. And this is a myth. Serving will make me feel good. <laughs> Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's true. But sometimes people will feel, 
people will be ungrateful for your service. At our very first back to school, we did it in the gym long ago. Oh, my God, Lord. And there was a mother who was trying to get uniforms for her child, and she didn't like anything that our servant leader was handing her. And the lady who was serving at the end, she was visibly shaken. Shouldn't she have been more great? I mean, she just, and we're having to talk her down. We're like, I mean, you can't control it. You know, all these things. Sometimes serving doesn't make you feel good. Sometimes you leave a service with swollen feet because you stood and greeted for two services. That's real talk. Sometimes you leave an event exhausted. Maybe you're smiling, but you're exhausted. And you got to go to work the next day. I've had people tell me they've stopped serving because they just didn't feel, they didn't feel that thing anymore. Me and my sister were just talking about this, that we've had seasons like that. But what do you do in those seasons? You keep showing up. Because serving is not about making you feel good. The cross didn't feel good. Right? Jesus walked everywhere he went. Do you think he had a couple calluses and bunions? I don't know. But maybe he was human. Does that feel good? Anybody have bunions? I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. Uh, (laughs) Another myth about serving. Serving doesn't feel like work. (laughs) Well, Lord, sometimes it absolutely feels like work. Sometimes you end up doing more than you bargained for because somebody else didn't show up. Does that ever happen to your work? Okay. <laughs> oh, you don't, have to, you don't have to tell me, Benita. It's fine. <laughs> you still have to show up on time, just like work. You have to check in with your boss, just like work. Sometimes serving feels like work. And that's okay because it's good work. It's the good works that God created us to do before the foundation of the world. And I love that it translates good works, right? It is work. It's a myth. You're not just going to float around. I want to float around, but you're not. You're going to have to bend down and pick up and do and, right? Sometimes serving feels like work because it is work. And that may be why more people don't do it. The feeding of the 5,000 is a great example of this for me, for both of these myths. Let's bust them, right? The disciples start out that feeding of the 5,000 thinking they're going on a vacation with Jesus. Read it. Jesus says, let's get away. And so they go away. (laughs) And then what does Jesus do? Because he's Jesus. A crowd follows them. He starts teaching them all day long. And then he's like, let's feed them. Started as organic, right? Oh, Jesus is doing what he always does. He's just teaching them. But then it gets real organized. Jesus says, tell them to get in groups of 50 and do this and serve them like this, you know? It turned into work. And afterwards, the disciples were disgruntled and they were tired. But they were serving. So what is serving? Number one, serving is love in action. Come on. Love in action. The love. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm, see, I can't teach at night, coach. I get delirious. I just, okay, that's fine. First John 3.18. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Here we go. Let us show the truth by our actions. Talk is what? Cheap. Come on. And every generation said, amen. Y'all are good. Talk is cheap. It costs us nothing. Love you too. That didn't cost me anything. And it might not even been true, right? Real love has feet. It walks. It moves. We do good deeds or good works because of our love for God and our love for one another. We prove our love. We prove our love 
for one another and those outside the family of God by serving. Serving is love in action. Number two, serving is faith in action. Faith in action. James 2, 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. If I am really living by faith, if I am living for God and because of God, it will not be some mystical, ethereal, invisible thing. Oh, I'm a woman of faith. How do you know? Is your faith working? Is it tangible? Is it visible? There will be good works, James says, that accompany our faith. We prove our faith in God and his precepts, his word, by serving others. Serving is faith in action. And I, and I want to talk about this just for a second because when we give away uniforms to kids and meals to kids for the weekend, here is the gospel truth. We don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to change their lives? We hope. Are they going to eat the food or throw it away because they don't like macaroni? We don't know. We are doing all of it by faith. All of it is faith. We pray there'll be an outcome. We hope there'll be an outcome. But we are serving by faith and not by sight. Only God knows what the outcome will be. And that's how faith works. I'm telling you, we have to be careful because we can sure take on the world's mentality right here. Especially when it comes to serving and giving. When we serve the homeless, we can start thinking things like, well, what did they do to get here? If I do this for them, is it going to matter? Are they going to trade this stuff in for drugs? Oh, my God. Right? That's not my business. Because I am a child of God, I am called to serve, so I give and I serve and I leave the rest up to God. Serving is faith in action. Number three, serving is gratitude in action. Oh, yes, it is. Serving is gratitude in action. I love 1 John 4, 19. If you don't memorize any other verses, memorize this. We love because he first loved us. We love him and others because he first loved us. We serve him and others because he first served us. And he's still serving us. God loves us. God serves us. God cares for us. And out of a grateful heart for all that he has done, we choose to do the same for others. You know, gratitude and love and faith have all of that in common, right? You can say, I'm grateful. You can even say it with your mouth, right? And, and, and it be true. It's a way of expressing gratitude to God. But how do you show you're grateful? Does your life show that you're grateful? Does it show that you're a person of gratitude? Is it all internal? No, it can't even be all internal, because if it's really internal, it will move into the external. I love Colossians 3.17. It says, whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We should see our acts of service as acts of service to God. And we should see our acts of service as acts of thanksgiving to God. God, I'm doing this because what you've done for me. You know, when I was in retail, 
we changed the name of our warehouse to a flow through center because corporate was like, man, stuff is just sitting on the shelves and we're calling it a stock room and maybe we need to change everyone's mindset and we'll call it a flow through center. And I had been, I had gone on a retreat and I was serving and I was scared that I couldn't do what the leaders had asked me to do the next day. And I was struggling through the night and God so clearly said to me, Clarissa, you're a flow through center. And I was like, Okay, you know, God will talk to you, however, whatever gets you. He's like, everything I've given you was never meant to stay in here. You're not a stock room. You're not a warehouse. You're a flow. And as it flows out, I will get you what you need. And some of us don't serve because we're trying to hold on to something. I don't know. There's a stinginess. There's an una. We don't really understand what God has done. It's not supposed to stay in here. It's supposed to flow through here, which leaves us with the last. Number four, gifts in action. Gifts in action. And I save this for last because we can get stuck right here. Some people don't serve because they say, and I literally, I've had, I just had this conversation recently. Well, I don't know what my gift is. And when I find out what my gift is, like what serve do something right but let's be real serving is also gifts in action first peter 4 7 through 11 peter's writing and they're thinking that the end of all things is near therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray above all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. To serve others. And I love that because, again, this can get weird in church. We can get super spiritual. It's not about being gifted. It's not about being gifted. It's about serving others. And this is what I've just seen. I've only been doing this for 16 years. But the people that are the most gifted are the ones who serve others. It seems like they can do anything. Oh, you can sing? Oh, you can preach? Oh, you can do crafts? Oh, you can, but they're just like, I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever. And it seems like they're some of the most gifted people I know. Why are the gifts given? This isn't on your worksheet, but I'm just going to say these things. Why are the gifts given? Spiritual gifts are given to motivate and equip our service for God. Spiritual gifts are given to build up, strengthen, and serve the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are given to glorify God in the earth through good works. It's all about service. It's not about being gifted or talented or some people being special and other people being ordinary. We have all been given gifts, but not just so we can be gifted. So that we can serve others. And I think I put this on your worksheet. If you're interested in learning more about the spiritual gifts, read about that. Read the context around it. And if you have questions, you can ask Pastor Philip. Okay. No, you can can ask any staff member. Um, So how do I receive my giftings? This is what the Bible says. This is what Paul says. He says, pray. Pray. Ask the Lord what he has for you. And and Paul says this, and again, I won't explain all of it, but you can read about it and you can talk to me about it later. He says, if you want to desire a gift, desire prophecy. Don't desire to sing or to preach or whatever. Desire prophecy. So that's, that's something to think about. Pray. But then how do I identify my gifts? Start doing something. I started out in students with high schoolers. Amen. It was fun. I loved it. We loved it, didn't we, Del? It was amazing. But that's where I learned 
that I had a gift for teaching the Bible. I didn't go in there to teach the Bible. I went in there to break up fights and keep kids from kissing each other in the bathroom. Amen. Lord Jesus. Woo. I went in there to stay up all night at the all-night lock-ins when everybody else went to sleep. Amen. Okay. That's why I started working in students, just to be with the high schoolers, just to love on them. But I discovered so many things that God had in me because they needed someone to serve in students. And I just started serving in students. Don't get tripped up. There's no perfect way. There's no perfect thing. Sometimes you just have to start doing something. And then you're like, man, that feels natural. And I feel like God was on that. Ooh, why do I have a high tolerance for babies crying and everybody else is freaking out? Right? My sister. Maybe you're supposed to work with babies. I don't know. Just start doing something. But also, take a spiritual gifts test. And we have growth track this Saturday, 1030 a.m. in the foyer. If you've never taken a spiritual gifts test, come to growth track. Take your spiritual gifts test. See what it says. And we can help you figure that out and get you on a team. And if it doesn't work for you, we'll get you on another team. So why don't more Christ followers serve? Uh, That's a good question. First thing I have on there is lack of want to, (laughs) which equals selfishness. Selfishness. Come on, let's face it, guys. I mean, I know, right? I'm a pastor or whatever, but I know it is easier to be served than to serve. And there is something in us that desires it right? Greet me as I walk in. Thank you. (laughs) Show me to my seat. Okay. Oh, it's clean. Somebody cleaned it. Perfect. Oh, the bathroom looks good. Oh, I want that. (laughs) It just is easier. But then there's this sense of entitlement. Some people feel they deserve to be served. Some people don't want to spend their time serving. It costs time. It costs money. It costs gas. It costs all kinds of things. Whatever the reason, a lot of the time, it just boils down to yucky, old-fashioned, nasty selfishness, which is inside of each one of us in this room. And we have to choose. Sorry, Miss Patty, maybe, maybe not in you. Okay, well, which is inside of me? Let me just speak for myself, my holy friends in the black chairs. You're not selfish at all. You're never self-centered. I, I believe. No, I don't believe that. I don't. Um, right beside selfish, selfishness, though, I want you to write a couple other words. Write apathy. A-P-A-T-H-Y. Apathy. They just don't care to serve. Laziness. The Bible talks about laziness. But then this is a big one. And I was reading a book this morning, and it talked about why so many people don't serve. And it was talking about the pornography epidemic in the church. And I thought, wow, secret sin, right? Secret sin. Sometimes it's just the shame of what we're doing in secret that keeps us from wanting to serve. It keeps us from wanting to come to church. Instead of talking to someone, instead of dealing with it, we just take ourselves out of the game completely. But then there's lack of prioritization, I just love the long word, and planning. And right out beside that, systems failure. Systems failure. Just like giving, just like tithing, serving needs to be planned. And I want to say this. We should always have time in our schedules to serve. If you have a life that's so hectic that you have no breathing room and no white space, you're doing it wrong. As believers, we have to make time for what God cares about. We should never be in such a hurry that we cannot serve one another and the world around us. And if we are in such a hurry, and if our schedules are so tight and crammed so tight, listen, we're probably conforming to the pattern of this world. 
When we read Romans 12 too, sometimes we can think, okay, I shouldn't cuss, I shouldn't drink, I shouldn't watch that movie, I shouldn't. That's conforming to the patterns of this world. But also how you structure your life. You could be conforming to the patterns of this world. We have to add time for both organized and organic serving into our lives. We have to. And then the last thing, and I think this is one of the biggest things, and it's why I started with who Jesus is. It's just lack of understanding. Right out beside that, spiritual ignorance or blindness. Spiritual ignorance or blindness. I think a lot of the time we just fail to see who Christ is and what he has done. And this is where the keyboard would be playing if we had a keyboard player. Who Christ is and what he has done. We just don't understand. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Though Jesus is above everything, serving was never beneath him. He served until his very last breath. And now he's in heaven, and the Bible says he's still serving as an advocate for us. This is the Jesus that we worship. He's the word of God. All things were created by him and for him. Everything in heaven that we can see and we can't see, right? And when we forget who Jesus is and what he has done, we can be so entitled, so bratty. So selfish. I'm talking about myself too. We must remember who he is and what he has done and then adopt the same attitude about serving that he had. Lack of understanding. If Jesus Christ is serving me, my God, my God, (laughs) I better be serving everybody. Right? Lack of understanding of who they are or who we are or who you are in Christ. Sometimes we just don't understand. John 13, 2 through 5, this is Jesus talking. Well, he's going to talk, but hold on. Or no, he's not. Just listen. The evening meal was in progress. I'm sorry, I'm having fun. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to portray Jesus. Pay attention to verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Do we see this? He made those feet, (laughs) right? The dirt that was on the feet, everything. But he did it anyway. And, oh, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just finish. So verses 12 through 17, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. One version says he took his seat. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, 
and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also, say also, should should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus knew who he was. He was the son of God. He knew he was sent on a mission by God. He had come from God and he was returning to God. God had given him power and authority over all things. Jesus knew who he was and what he had in God. And he knew this, nothing he did, no matter how lowly, or how dirty the act of service was. Nothing he did could ever change his identity. So he could do anything. He could do anything because it didn't change who he was. Sometimes people don't serve because they really do feel like it's beneath them, like it's somebody else's job. They think if I do that, does it make me less of a whatever? (laughs) This is my philosophy, my little (laughs) problem here, math problem. Child of God plus servant of God equals a servant with a seat at the table. That's how I see myself. This is why I love to serve. And I mean, I don't do it perfectly. My husband will tell you how selfish I am after this if you want to know. He's got stories, man. But God gave me this revelation because I just love the tension of everything in the Bible, and I'm always trying to understand it. Okay, God, I'm a child of God, but I'm a servant of God, and what does all that mean, and how does it work? But now I see myself as his daughter sitting at his table, and when he gets up and he takes off his clothes and he starts serving everybody, I push my chair back and I get up and I start doing the very same thing. And then when I'm done, I take my seat right back at that table because I belong there, because I'm a daughter of God, because I'm a child of God. But I take ownership. My daddy taught me how to take ownership. He taught me how to serve. Oh, I'll wash the dishes, sure. I'll greet the people, whatever. Whatever it takes. This is my house, so I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do my part. I'm a servant with a seat at the table. Nobody can take my seat away from me. Hey, there is a seat with my name on it in heaven, and it will always be there waiting for me. Nothing I do can change that. So I'll serve everybody. I'll do anything. Destiny says, always says, check the bathroom before you leave, and now she's in my head. And I'm like, sometimes, Philip's here, and Destiny, you're probably watching at home. I'm like, oh, that's somebody else's job. That's beneath, I'm the connections pastor or whatever I am. I don't know. And then I'll turn around and go, Clarissa, you better wipe that counter. You better pick up that paper towel. Nothing is beneath you. If serving was not beneath Jesus, Who am I to say it's beneath me? John 13, 15, really wish I had those keys. It's fine. I have set you an example. Let's hear it again. That you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. Say that. No servant is greater than his master, 
nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you hear them. If you learn them, if you study them, if you think about them, none of those things. You will be blessed if you do them. This is the key to the abundant life. Serving everyone. Being willing to wash the feet or wash the dishes or do what. Ever. And I love this because Jesus promises if we will live like this, if we will follow his example, we will be blessed. I love that Coach titled this Keys to the Abundant Life because I really feel like serving is often the missing key to people's spiritual journeys. And if they will just turn the key and open the door, they will experience what they've been missing. Here's what I want you to do. In that last blank, I want you to write your name. I want you to write your name, and then I want you this week to think about that. Clarissa did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give my life for many, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. (laughs) Oh, my son is so cool. This is Eddie, everybody. Can we talk about Eddie for a second? He's going to hate this. This isn't the point. Eddie started going here when he was three. Yeah, is that right? Okay. Before I was saved. He started coming to this church without me, with my dad. And when you were eight, nine, how old? Nine, started serving. When did you start serving? Ten years old, he started serving. He started doing literally whatever. Cutting paper. <laughs> Anybody ever cut paper up here? Come on. You're going to get a jewel in your crown in heaven. Come on, somebody. Um, <laughs> whatever. And you know what people ask me all the time, and I've been, I think it's because they're so old now. Like, how did your kids get to be your kids? Like, I want my kids to follow Jesus all their life, and I want, don't make me cry, Lord. And it just hit me. It, Yes, I I started parenting better once I got saved and all those things and praying for them and bringing them to church. But you know what Eddie did for himself? He started serving. He started doing whatever. And in 12 years, I feel like God has done more in his life than he's done in a lot of the adults that I know. And he's going to kill me after this. And I didn't plan this at all because he's always being willing to say, what do you need? I can do that. I can do that. (laughs) Now he's so talented, he can do everything. Telling you, it's the missing key for so many of our lives. So now I'm gonna give you some next steps and then we're gonna pray and go home. Start serving everyone. Yay! Next step. (laughs) Do it organically. This week, look for opportunities to serve everywhere you go. And don't just see it. Do it. But then organizationally, serve on Sunday mornings. This is not a restaurant where some consume and others wait tables. This is a living, breathing organism. We belong to one another and our call is to serve one another. Serve with community care. We're gonna start back up next month. Serve with BTS. We're going on some deliveries. I'm telling you, they're gonna be fun. They're gonna take about an hour of your day. Take your lunch break and come up here and go to a school with us and see 
how the principals cry when we walk in the room and get to pray through a school. It's amazing. 30 minutes, 45 minutes of your day. Start serving everyone organically and organizationally. And then if you're not serving here at North Point and you really, and maybe you're new and you've just started coming, show up Saturday morning at 1030. Pastor Philip's going to be there. I'm going to be there. We're going to do growth track. That's where you can take your spiritual gifts test. You can start serving on a team. We can answer questions that you have. If you're not already serving, I urge you, start doing something. It will change your life. You want to be more like Jesus? Okay. Serve. So what I have up here after we pray, I flipped them over so you wouldn't see them because Courtney would, you know, he likes to look at stuff. These are sign-up sheets. If you want to join a team, write your name, check the box, and we'll follow up with you. If you want to serve with BTS, check the box. We'll get with you this week. And if you have any questions about serving, you can talk to us. But don't just sit and watch other people serve. Get in on the action. Get up from the table. Jesus is already up. Now you get up too. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. You're so faithful. Jesus, you're so cool. You never ask us to do things that you didn't already do. You're not a tyrant. You're not a dictator. You're the king of kings and lord of lords. You're the king who serves. You're the king who washes feet. This is who you are. And we want to be like you. So God, we commit to do whatever it takes. We will start serving everyone. We will stop seeing it as someone else's job and we will get in the game and we will experience the abundant life that you offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.